Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Ray Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Welcome hour to the Outdoor Line. That's Rob Ensley, Joey Pyburn's right there, Matt Nelson. On the phone, go check out VortexOptics.com. That is the product experience manager, none other than Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics. Good morning, Mark. How are you, buddy? Doing good. Doing good. Good morning, guys. How you guys doing? Morning, oh, doing great. Kind of wondering um, how this whole thing's going to play out here today with our opener here in Washington, hot and dusty conditions back here. You grew up here, man. What what kind of advice you got for folks that are looking to get out? Maybe slap their deer tag on an animal or maybe down some ducks out this way, man. What do you, what do you got for folks? Oh, man. I tell you what, you know, uh, believe. Believe that it can happen. I know those can definitely be tough conditions on, on those early hunts, but... Uh, you know, I mean, I guess that's, you know, the old stick with the stick with it. Perseverance pays off and uh, you, you never know when it's going to happen for sure. I was always hunting those uh, those black tails on the west side. So I know I know mm-hmm. Joey's a big fan of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so, uh, you know, we have this hot, dusty conditions here. Uh, the deer, not, you know, they're not going to be moving around a lot. Guys are going to have to spend a lot of time behind the glass. What do you recommend for guys? What's what's your glassing strategy? When you get to the top of the mountain, you've worked your butt off, you get up there, um, do you just sit behind the glass, do you move around, you run a tri- uh, a tripod with your binos, or you or you freehand it? So, I mean, whenever I can, I'm running a tripod. I mean, it's just going to make you, I mean, we've talked probably about a, a million times, and you really can't say it enough. If you've got a, a, a good quality tripod with a quality head on top, you're just going to be a way more efficient patient glasser and you're going to see more and if you haven't done it before once you do it you really will see what you've been missing you'll you'll be like oh my god i've been doing this my entire life um you're just going to create opportunities that you just otherwise would not get without without that tripod so yeah i mean whenever you can use a tripod and and i think a lot of people think of it in terms of like you know really open landscapes like you know giant country and i just i don't think that's the case you know the last couple times i've been hunting blacktails and your glass and clear cuts you know three, four, five, six hundred yards away and you're still finding deer you just you just wouldn't have without a tripod. Yeah, you know what it does is it takes all the movement out of the binocular. You're you're looking through, you have a very clear picture, very stable, which allows you to see movement, um, which you're looking for very small movements. It might just be a deer turns its head. If it's you, you could be looking at a hillside for hours and then that buck gets up and just repositions mm-hmm. And and if you're on that tripod and you're steady, you're gonna see that. Where if you're freehanded, you might miss that. And it, it it's the key to finding deer is being able to pick up those little small movements. Or you know you you pick up a um you see a deer's ear sticking out from behind a tree, or just you or know their throat little, patch, or a little flick of the tail, or some just any little thing. So when you're glassing, Mark, what, what I like to do is if I'm looking at a a hillside, I'll take that say. There's a uh, some open hillside and it comes to some trees or some brush line. I'll make that one part of the hill. I'll break it into 
you know, know thirds or fourths. It gridded out, kind of. And yeah. and I'll go in and I'll tear that one part, you know, just grid it out and and see everything on that hill, you know. Oh, all the stuff that I look at and I go, okay, well, what is that? Is that that a deer's butt right there? <laughs> and then you know maybe it doesn't move. I move on to the second part of the hill and I tear that apart and then I go right back to the first part and I go to that thing that I thought might have been a deer butt and make sure it's still there you know see if it's there if it's moved yeah so that's how I like to do it I like to break it into chunks so I mean I definitely do that and I'd say you know and I'm not pro glasser I mean you guys you know hell heck you you guys shoot like you right but I, I almost do it in stages right like I'll I'll creep into a spot boom my first assessment is with my eyeballs, you know, the glasses that, that the good Lord gave me. After that, I'm going to hit the stuff that's really close to me and actually really far to me because I'm going to be like, okay, well, what's likely to spook? It's going to be the stuff that's like really close to me, right? So I'm going to hit that first. You know, what could be going over the edge that I might not see if it goes over the edge if I don't take a quick look? And then I'm going to go to like quotation marks, the dairy spots, you know, the spots that you know just over time that maybe you've been there before or it's got like certain attributes like you're talking about, Joey, like some edgy stuff or whatever that you're like, yep, I'm going to look there, 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 there. Cool. I've hit the hot spots. And then that's when I start to kind of break it down and be like, okay, now I'm going to be a little bit more more methodical. Um, and then I, I generally, you know, within my field of view, I pan left to right and then I just go down and pan back right to left and just kind of go back and forth that way. Some guys only like to pan left to right. Some guys only like to go right to left. So it just depends on a little bit of personal preference. But I have heard that going opposite the way you're reading makes you a more, kind of makes you pay attention mm-hmm. more, I guess. Cause I've heard less, that too. Slows you down a little bit. Now, are you a Fury uh, rangefinder Monoc guy, or are you going to run UHDs with a standalone rangefinder uh, on the side? What's your program, man? So, you know, for me, you know, obviously I get, I get my pick of the litter around here, so it depends on the hunt. But if I'm if I'm using like a set of, uh, you know, 12s or 18s and I have a 10 on my chest, then yeah, that Fury is going to be on my chest because it's got all, you know, the Fury ABs, it's got the ballistics in there and the range finder. Uh, so that's when I'll run the Furies. If I um, am only going like with one bino, like if I'm only going with a 10 or I'm only going with a 12, then I'll probably take the optical quality of the UHD series because that's what I'm going to be glassing with the most. And then I'll go to the, uh, you know, the handheld um, Razer HD 4000 for my rangefinder. We're talking Mark, Mark Boardman, the product experience manager for Vortex Optics, which is still the we best all, we job all smile title. Yeah, every, every time, time we, we say that. No question. But you being a blacktail hunter, it's kind of the opposite scenario than the open country guy. Binoculars in tight cover are are a challenge but you can use that center focus to focus through the brush and see different parts of it where you know you can't see the forest for the trees but if you start looking through holes that's when a binocular and you don't even have to hire have a higher power like that you know even an eight power will, will let you focus through that brush how do you how do you use your binos if you're a blacktail guy in tight cover mark boardman so, you know, uh, that's huge, Tom, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think people, you, you think you can see, right, you know, because you're not looking that far. You know, maybe it's, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 yards max. Maybe you're in the timber or something like that. And and you just hit on just such a huge one. You can see through things and spot things uh, by using your binoculars, like you said, rolling that focus in and out. 
Uh, and I think you'll be surprised at what you see and what you see in time to where you might be able to get an opportunity at it. Um, so that's a huge one. You know, I, I do love to get in tight and hunt, hunt the timber. And then, you know, um, you know, those, those, those big clear cuts though, I mean, you can be glassing, you know, easily a thousand yards at times. Um, you might be glassing a, a clear cut that is, uh, even almost like on a, on a different road system that you need to figure out how you need to get around on it. Once you might spot that buck that's further away, but, um, yeah, don't just because you're on the west side of the state doesn't mean you don't need a good set of binoculars. And I think it really, that's just such a huge starting point. If if you think you can get away without binoculars, you're you're kind of kidding yourself. And I, I know I work for Vortex, but um, you got to have a good set of binos. You know this as well as I do, Mark. That those mature blacktails, they're not just stomping around out in the middle of the clear cut. They're right. They're two jumps from the timber. They'll, they'll take, in fact, half the time, they don't even walk out into the clear cut at all. You'll just see like a throat patch or their nose poking out of the bushes, and they're just kind of eyeballing that clear cut because they don't want to be out in the open at all. The only time they'll be out in the open is maybe the last few days of the season, but early on, you can pick them up on the edge of the clear cut with your binos. You'll just barely catch anything, maybe a little rack sticking out of the bushes. There's rhododendron bushes everywhere, but you got to glass that stuff and really slow down because you're not going to see them just standing out in the open. Especially man. if you find does. If you see does yeah. out in the open or out those in bucks the clear are cut, over there stalking. trust me, those stalking bucks, them. those yeah. creepy little buggers are, are there somewhere watching those does. They, they are, you know, and it just, it really, it's a matter of taking one step. You know, I always say, mm-hmm. I mean, they're just one step away and that goes from, you know, basically being fun. You won't see them at all until, you know, you've got a shot opportunity. And, and, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, being able to spot things, um, I've been rewarded sometimes, sometimes, sometimes seeing more isn't the best place to be looking from. And I've crept down into some spots where you can see a lot less of the clear cut, but maybe you can just see the bottom that you couldn't see from from the top, but due to the roll Mm -hmm. of the hill, you know, you go down, you know, two, 300 yards and you can see down in that bottom and, and you can't see as much, but you can see the right spot. And that's where those deer want to be. And you can see the trail. I I mean, you see, because they'll go through those bottoms and and, and as they cross drainages and whatnot. And, man, if you can see the beaten path down there, you could could definitely have a buck stick his head out. Mark, thank you for your time, buddy. We appreciate it. We, You know, a a, a highfalutin whitetail hunter from a tree stand talking to us, you know, (laughs) dirty, rotten. Thanks for bringing yourself down to our level, Mark. We appreciate it, it. dude, man. Sincerely, man. Oh, I love it! I love it, guys. We gotta go. We gotta go hunting again, man. It's been too long, so we'll we'll get a trip going here. Maybe you, me, and Joe, and Seniol or something. Let's get something put together. Maybe old Nelly will jump in with us too and and hang out. So we'll we'll be in touch, buddy. Thanks so much for taking the time, man. Lock it in, guys. Good luck this season. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Thanks, Mark. Mark Boardman, VortexOptics.com. I don't care what you do outside. You got to go to VortexOptics.com. They got everything from apparel to to red dots to scopes. I, I mean, they got some fancy new clothes now too. They have a pair wearing that stuff in downtown That's Seattle. Right. Some you of that betcha. stuff, you betcha. All right, coming up next, a critically acclaimed award-winning Northwest Outdoor Report right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station seven ten, and the Seattle Sports app. The Northwest Outdoor Report is brought to you by Les Schwab Tires, taking your safety seriously for over seventy years. The modern firearm season for deer opens up today to warm and dry conditions across the state. Hunters should be aware of ongoing fire and burn bans that are in place in most of the state. 
The season on the east side of the mountains runs from October 15th. That's today through the 25th. Select units in northeast Washington will be open for whitetail hunting through October 28th. The late whitetail hunt occurs November 5th through the 19th in northeast Washington, with the late hunt occurring on the west side of the mountains November 17th through the 20th. Roughly 60% of the blacktails are taken each year on the late hunt in western Washington. Waterfowlers get their first crack at ducks and geese across the state today. Duck season runs from today through October 23rd, closes for a few days, and then reopens again on October 26th. The brief pause in the season gives waterfowlers extra time at the end of January to harvest birds and the migrations underway. Duck season runs through October 29th in Washington. Goose season also kicks off today, and hunters need to check those WDFW regs to see which days are open for goose hunting in each area of the state. Upland bird hunters get the go-ahead on the east side of the mountains next Saturday, October 22nd. That season runs through from October 22nd through January 16th. Pheasant release sites are already open in western Washington, and hunters need to check the regulations to see which days of the week the pheasant are released on the west side release sites. Razor clammers have another opportunity to dig clams on the coastal beaches starting this Monday, October 24th. The next series of digs runs from Monday through Sunday, October 30th. There's another round of digs scheduled for November 6th through the 13th. The limit is 15 razor clams per person. You've got to keep the first 15 clams that you dig. WDFW tests the clams a few days ahead of time to be sure they are safe to eat and will give the go-ahead for the digs on the WDFW website. Coastal rivers remain closed for salmon and steelhead. Anglers should be aware that the coastal rivers are currently closed for salmon and steelhead due to record low water levels. The only areas that remain open on the are the East Bay in Grays Harbor, the Lower Chehalis below Fuller Bridge, and Willapa Bay. The Willapa and Nacelle rivers op- remain open for hatchery, Chinook, and Coho. Other than that, the rest of the creeks on the Olympic Peninsula are closed till we get some rain here in the northwest that will bring those water levels back up. Hunters needing to sight in their firearms can now do so on WDFW managed lands in eastern Washington. With fire danger still high in many locations, it's critical that people are cautious around dry grass and weeds when they are shooting on state lands. And, of course, the department encourages everyone to follow safety guidelines and always know what's beyond your target before shooting. State lands on the west side of the mountains remain closed to target shooting. The Northwest Outdoor Report has been brought to you by Les Schwab Tires. Find the best in tires, brakes, wheels, batteries, shocks, struts, and more at LesSchwab.com. Hot and dusty. Yeah, I normally like to come home from Alaska and get a little sunshine. Get, I finally get a little bit of summer in. You know, I think I had my shorts on six times up there in, in Alaska <laughs> this summer. But this is a little much. Now oh, I'm kind of like getting worried about our salmon. You know, I mean, we got to get some water in these rivers. I, I love coming home, love getting me some sunshine and whatnot. But, but man, I'm kind of getting worried about our, our west side and just, you rivers remember here. Last year, we had a hard edge. It was Labor Day and then boom. Yeah. Right? yeah. It was raining. Right. And so, you know, this, we, yeah, this is, this is getting a little much now. This is, uh, this is concerning, but, you know, you know, when the rains come, they are not going to stop. This is, this is going to be one of those, yeah, well, wet, gray ones that, uh, it's well, going to be fine. Let's get some snow back in the mountains. Let's get on with it. Let's get let's on. Go. With it. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. So let's one, get on with some sea run cutthroat fishing. One of the, get on with. That's the cool thing about Puget Sound is when the rivers run low, you always have the sound to fall back on a lot of different areas. Hold on to your hats. Dave Dietrich is one of the most positive guys you could possibly have on the radio show, and he's just been whacking it. It's been crazy. Dave Dietrich, adventure-angling.com. Joining us next here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and Seattle Sports app. Get in, sit down, hold on, and listen up. You're in the Renaissance Marine Group.com's wheelhouse, brought to you by Weldcraft, Duckworth, and Northwest Boats. After this segment, you don't feel like going fishing then 
I would suggest a defibrillator because David Dietrich is one of the most fired up guys about his fishery, which, hey, David, how good is it right now in the South Sound? <laughs> oh, you guys, the fishing is the best it's ever been. Seriously. <laughs> I love it. I know that sounds like a guide, but I'm just I'm just being honest. It's incredible. <laughs> well, run it down for us, man. What's going on? Yeah, what's shaking down there, buddy? Well, uh, you know, it's fall, which and, and we're kind of having an uh, an extended summer. As I'm not telling you stuff that you don't know, but the fishing, it, the, the fish are on the feeding frenzy right now like these warm days just really turn the fish on we have generally high tides uh so the sun warms up the rocks and as the day goes on the tide floods that just kind of provides them some warm water to just chill out and hang and go crazy in the feed but the cool nights prevents them from prevents the water from getting too warm so we have this lovely cool night, warm day thing that's just turning the fish on. Um, I would tell people to cast as close as you can to the shoreline right now. It's paramount to fish really, really tight to the bank. Another thing I'll say, and this is really important, uh, in fall, we have a lot more low light conditions. I know I don't mean like cloud cover, although, yeah, but just the sun's at a lower angle. So um, use really shiny flies. My flies right now, some of them are big and, and small, but, but they're, they're really shiny. They catch the light a lot. I mean, some of my flies are only shine right now. Like tinsel, crystal, crystal flash, like tinsel-y yeah. kind of stuff in yep. there? Okay. Yep, yep. I mean, so a really good pattern. I'll, just, I'll give you a good pattern. So, you know, I'll just take really light dumbbell eyes, tie them on the front of the hook, tie some white, you know, any kind of white Arctic fox, um, this material called Steve Farrar blend, just kind of an opaque white, and then flashaboo, like a silver flashaboo on the bottom, and uh, yellow flash on top. And just that's a little, all bit, that a little bit of color. Just, just a little bit of color with a lot of flash, and they they are they are just so feeding. They're so keyed in on eating whatever it is that's in front of their face right now that we're typically finding two to five cuts competing for the fly. I mean, what are they? What are they eating on, right now? What what's out there right now? Yeah, so there's a there's a a ton of. Uh, small bait fish. There's just the bait fish are all over the place right now, and they're puking up anchovies in the South Sound. Hmm. A lot of the fish we're hooking are puking up anchovies and sandlands of a, of a variety of size. Also, some some surf smelt, but they're just eating a lot of fish. The hmm. fish are readily available. It's a really high protein, and and, and like if you can, they'll eat perch right now because they're really oily and it helps them fatten up. So just just throw bait fish patterns with lots of shine. But That's this interesting. Is what, like, this is what the fishing is like in the South Sound right now. Okay, check this. This is blow your mind. This blew my mind the other day. Four years ago, I caught this fish on, I was fishing on Anderson Island, and I caught this fish off a particularly large rock just in the shadow. And it was like a, almost a five-pound cutty but 19 inches, so not crazy long, but huge. That was four years ago. The that's football. a fat sucker right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This week, 
I caught, and that that big, the huge one was a hen. This week, I caught an 18-inch, hmm. probably three and a half, four pound hen, and the same time of day, next to the same rock <laughs> in the same shadow. <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm pretty sure. That that's that fish's daughter. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. with these low, uh, so, there's no there's no water in the creeks either. I mean, these cutthroat meander in and out of these creeks in the South Sound, and so do the coho. And there's a lot of coho yeah, that head oh, into these little creeks down in the deep South Sound. And so they're out yeah. in the salt right now. Are you seeing quite a few of those coho out there too, buddy? Yes, sir. Now, you're playing with my emotions. I want to go fishing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dude, I'm telling you. The coho fishing is good, and, and also if I can give a, a word of advice for the inshore fishermen chasing coho. As we get these rolling, these big floods, you know, I call them like the returning floods when our anadromous fish use these big tides throughout the daytime to bring themselves home. Find a kelp line that's in that's along the way home to where these fish are returning and they're they're returning to all different just to the area of marine area 13 they're going way in the south sound as the tide floods and there's more space between the kelp line and the shoreline that's an increasingly safe lane for schools of coho to travel in um that that kelp line provides them a, a, a wall where they don't have to guard outside of that wall. If the tide's too low, then and there's a pod or a school of coho that don't have enough room to occupy that space and see the seals bursting through that, then they they'll they'll move to the outside of the kelp line. But what what I'm seeing this year is as soon as the tide gets high enough where there's 30 or more feet between the kelp and the shoreline, those coho are getting in there as quick as they can. And that shallow water really offers them a lot of protection, a lot of protection. So they get in that shallow water inside the kelp. They press into the shoreline. And what I've seen this year is they get less schooly where they're balled up. And they get more strung out, like they're in a long, they're in a long line. There's eight, nine, six, twenty coho. The and feed line. In a line of three <laughs> I call that the feed line. Yeah, and they're just, they're just cooking along. The hog line. Flies in front of them. Yeah, and stripping fast and holding on. Yeah. And they're big coho this year. I mean, we're catching a lot of big coho. A big coho for us on the fly are fish four to seven pounds. David Dietrich is the head of the Coho Conga line this morning. Adventure Ang- <laughs> you know Advent- it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Adventure-angling.com is his website. The interesting fact yep. is he's, he's Puget Sound's only full-time year-round fly fishing charter. So we don't want these right. conditions to end. But as they do, as they transition, you know, November's right around a corner here. What's the rest of your angling year look like? How do you transition and, and, and take advantage of these changing season, seasons, David Dietrich? Yeah, so what I do is I, um, you're right, the the big salmon are going away, and they won't, you know, we won't be targeting, targeting salmon again until they release the resis, and then we'll start to target them again January, February. But in between there, November and December is some of the best time of the year for um, isolated fishing. The, the fish are very, the cutthroat, and we're focused really on the cutties. And they're very schooled up. 
if you live around a big river, and a big river for these fish is anything wider than a, a, a one-lane road. That's a big river for cutties. So I'll just give you an example. The Little Deschutes is, is a big river for cutthroat, although it's a small river. I, it's important to know this because right now the fish that go into big rivers, they start going in now. So I would target areas and schools of fish around bigger rivers. That, that's not what I would do. That's what I do. Um, that really makes, like, the Tacoma area really good. The Lakewood area, really good. South Seattle right now is really good. I'm, like, in East Passage, which is normally not good for fishing, in between the Puyallup and the Green, it's really good cutthroat <laughs> fishing right now. Uh, the, and, and when I say it's really good, you guys know that's a long expanse of shoreline. And as in fishing, the fish are not equally distributed. Along that shoreline, there are a number of schools of fish. But if you're not hitting a school, you're not fishing to anything. They're not in straggling groups right now. They're in big groups, big collective groups, meaning if you're in the right area, that right area will be a quarter mile of shoreline in a five-mile expanse, but in that quarter mile, there are four schools of a dozen to 20 cuts each. Well, in, 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 that, so, little, in that little pocket, there's going to be a bunch of habitat in there, big boulders and maybe some trees yeah, hanging out right. over, the, over the water, and it's going to be all yep. broken up, not just a big sandy stretch. You're not going to find them there. You're going to find them no. in these areas with a, a real diverse bunch of structure in yep. there. Now, you're throwing the flies right you on. talked about throwing were kind of more of a fishy pattern. I mean, there's times of year I know you're throwing shrimpy stuff and crabby stuff and, and, and then oh, yeah. a tractor pattern, but it sounds like this fishy thing's going to go on for a while. And what I mean is this little attractor pattern, little little fish fry patterns. Is that going to go on for a couple months, or when are you going to start switching over to the, the shrimpy and crabby kind of stuff, if, if you will? Yeah, I'm going to switch over to um, – I'm going to switch over to shrimp. I'm not a big – I. I know that there is a big element of our cutthroat fishermen that um, are big lovers of the euphosit patterns, the tiny little shrimp. I have much more success, and probably about the end of this month, I will stop fishing fish altogether, and I won't throw a fish pattern until the chum fry starts to come out in, in March. You know what I mean? Um, but I'll, I, from November, December, January, February, I'm throwing white, hot pink, peach, yellow. I'm throwing all that stuff in two and three inch shrimp patterns, all shrimp, all the time. That, <laughs> that is like a, an extremely reliable food source. And I'll, I'll tell you, I changed my strip too. You know, I'm a really firm believer in stimulating these fish to eat by with speed but in the winter time i i use i target a little bit deeper water believe it or not i've done this kind of adjusted my game and i'll just slowly swing the fly barely twitching it not actually retrieving it but if you're a fly fisherman and you've swung the fly for steelhead I'll do the same thing, except I'm just twitching it the whole time. It's just creeping along, twitching it, twitching it, really sensitive, tight line connection, but just twitching it. And 
I find that that can get the bigger fish to eat that aren't necessarily interested in eating as much as they're just like, it's in my face for too long and I'm sick of it, so I'm going to eat it. <laughs> we use speed so, to get Nelly to feed, too. No, gets, you know, we can take a piece of pizza and <laughs> yeah, run it by him real fast. He'll snap, dude. He'll the, snap that cigarette up the, and off he yeah. goes. The faster you drive by yeah. dicks oh. drive in, the more I'm going to try to turn yeah. around and stop. You've done a great job with your yeah. website, man. <laughs> Adventure-angling.com. And you talk about you know finding current seams and you got a couple pictures of the right shoreline. So describe to us, yeah. what real briefly, David, what you're looking for in that shoreline that you're going to work your program off yeah okay so the number one element that i want to find is barnacles i mean this is such a huge thing for if you can find barnacles on the beach you are finding a beach that has the necessary requirements for a healthy ecosystem so i'm looking primarily for barnacles Number two, I'm looking for clear water. There is no water too clear for coastal cutthroat. Number three, I think Rob was talking about it, or maybe, Tom, you just mentioned it. It's really critical to have mottled bottom, bottom of varying color, something that's really huge to look for in the water. This is really important, really you want a dark, unbroken line of vegetation off the bank that provides the fish a pathway to move up and down the shoreline where the silhouette of the fish is protected by a dark bottom. If you find that, you then need to get the fly over the dark bottom into the light on the other side, thinking of it like this. If I go to a restaurant and the server brings me the hamburger on a platter, I'm happy. If she walks out and throws it in my face, I want her fired, you know? <laughs> so don't put it where you think the fish is. Put it where over the top of them without beating the water so that you can bring it to them on a platter. You know what I'm saying? If you're interested in having Dave Dietrich as your cutthroat waitress, go to adventure-angling.com. David, we thank you for your time. Love your enthusiasm, man. I got to yeah. get, I get sure. down there and get this done with you one of these days, buddy. You guys need to. Yeah. All right, for sure. I, I need to just plug something real quick. Yeah, absolutely. I have two days left in October. I have October 27th and 29th open. I don't mean to sound like a guide, and if you're a customer of mine, you know that if I say this, it's true. They could easily be two of the best days left on the water, just with weather and the tides. And then I also just want to encourage everybody, if, you, if you're listening and you have any interest in cutthroat, on January 12th, there's a really cool, the Coastal Cutthroat uh, Coalition is having a really cool fundraiser on January 12th. It's up at Hula Hula. Uh, I've been to one of those, yeah, Dave. Yeah. Keith Robbins does all that sure. stuff. He does a wonderful job. It's a tiki bar. He's a great steward yeah, yeah. of the resource. Such a yeah. Good job. Yeah. And they do such a good job. The Coastal Cutthroat Coalition is a nonprofit organization. They do such a good job for our resource. Um, they've been able to make a lot of the spawning creeks catch and release. They're such a good organization to support. January 12th. Uh, you can reach out uh, um, to Keith Robbins or just go to the Coastal Cutthroat Coalition, Coalition uh, uh, their website. You can get um, tickets and stuff to the fundraiser. I just want to encourage everyone to, to support them. It's a worthy cause. Thanks, Don't, guys. Sorry thanks, about buddy. that. Not at all, We'll man. be in touch. I'll give you a call, man. Thanks a lot, David. Okay, and remember, so. it, it pays to fish.
fish with a handsome guide. Remember okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's never worked for me. No, David, thanks, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Okay, cool. See you guys. See you, Bye. dude. Coming up next, the hottest report heard all week, the techniques you need to succeed. It's Roy Robinson RVs. Really? Where? And it's next here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. No way. you got to be kidding me. Really? Where? It's coming back. The island of Tinian Delady. Where'd you get him, man? No way. You, you gotta tell me. I, I, I'm not gonna tell anybody. Ocean Journey Red. Hey, man, can you tell me where you got him? I'll never put on a life jacket again. Welcome to RoyRobinsonRV.com's Really? Where? Where? RoyRobinsonRV.com will take you anywhere. Really? Time for you to step up to the number one Winnebago dealer in the Northwest, Roy Robinson, and their all-new Roy Robinson RV Center up at Smoky Point. Check it out. You're going to find a complete selection of Class A's, Class B's, Super C's, travel trailers, fifth wheelers, tow rollers, pop-ups, campers, and so very, very much more, including uh, the all-new Winnebago Evo. That is just an off-the-grid machine. Go check that out, RoyRobinsonRV.com. Waterfowl opener, general deer opener, hottest report. Definitely, if you're not out in the mountains or in a duck blind today, what are you doing? Well, I don't know. David Dutra got me all fired up to go down and catch some, well, then catch you some go sea run cutties. But, but you know, we're getting geared up. We're obviously going to Idaho, but a lot of folks are going to stay close to home here and, and uh, do some hunting. And I think a lot of them are going to opt to stay on the west side and hunt blacktails. You know, if they're going to hunt deer, I think folks are going to stay home with fuel prices the way they are. Uh, we've seen, you know, in the past fuel prices reach up around $4 a gallon and that's kept, you know, half the people from going to the East side. We're North of, what are we? Five fifty or whatever it is right now. Well, I mean, it's painful. It. <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> it's and and yeah. I think folks are going to be interested in, and in maybe taking a poke at one of these blacktails on the West side. A lot of fun. Um, difficult, very difficult to hunt. These things are like whitetails. They live in about a two kilometer square patch of ground and they live there. They know everything that's going on in that little patch of ground, whether they're, you know, they might cover two, three clear cuts and have a circuit that they work, but but they know everything that's going they're, on there. They're in your yard yeah, right now. they like are. They're in your backyard. These things are, you see them, I see them at night driving around, mm-hmm. and that's usually when you, when you see the buck you want is you're driving around at night, yeah. and you drive by, and you see this buck standing on the side of the road, and you're like, what? Oh, my what? God. And you never that? see him. No, you don't see him again. But, uh, but listen- Drop a pin on that spot because yeah. Yeah. if you can find some public land or you can get some access, that's where you're going to find those big bucks. Where you see him at night, he's in there creeping around. You might get lucky and see, you know, uh, catch one of those out in the open first thing in the morning this morning or even this evening, right before dark. You might get lucky, but really, right now, this is kind of your scouting weekend. Find some. If you can't find the actual does themselves, because they may be nocturnal as well. I mean, it's hot right now. Uh, my parents have a doe coming in raiding their garden every night at like one in the morning. They're, they're moving around at night because it's warm right now. But find those tracks. If you can find those tracks, those does are going to be there, and there's going to be a buck not too far away. You're probably going to find some buck tracks too right now on those on those cat roads, those skid roads, uh, even those logging roads. When you're driving in and out, you might watch for some of those tracks, you know. Um, and then come the last week of the season is when you really want to be out there really checking it out on, on these black tail Well, areas. so another thing that, that Joey made me aware of is, is Joey cleared a little piece of his property and he says, oh yeah, those are that night. Well, the same Did thing- you have any cedar trees? 
Did you cut down? Did you cut down some trees there? I did. I didn't have any cedar trees. Oh, they no, love cedar. They do. Well, yes. They also I love. I didn't mean to interrupt you. They not love, at all. But they love when you go in and you and make a, you yes. muss something yeah. up. They and, gotta and, come in and check it out and, right away. And so my my mother in law's place in Sonoma, she did the same thing. She had some some blackberries cleared out, and there was a bunch of really ripe berries, and came in and leveled that whole thing. So out. what Tom's getting so they, at is, you want to get yourself a weed whacker. Well, I'm and telling, then head on but, out into the woods and start cutting stuff. The down. thing of it is, development is just a fact of life here in western washington and it has been if you know a piece of land adjacent to something that's been cleared and you got permission you know what i'm saying is there's some something about the smell of freshly uncovered stuff especially if there's there's berries or stuff in there they'll come pick through that stuff and sure enough the next day we were out there doing something here's here here's the black tail does are standing there in the corner right there just something to think about i mean you know but my heart of hearts i i'm I, I, I love to go hunting Eastern Washington where you can see a whole bunch and, and you know that you go over that next rise and you got a chance to see more blacktails or excuse, excuse me, see more muleys with blacktails. No, dude, there's just as many blacktails in, in the area yeah, right in front of you as them. there is over yeah. the top of this next bump. So you got to go slow, slow, yeah. slow. So, so obviously we have blacktails living down amongst us that you can go <laughs> chase, right? But we also have a bunch of blacktail up in the mountains, and mm-hmm. those little mountain blacktail are fun to hunt. Same type of deal. I, when I was up bear hunting, I was seeing these these blacktail up there. And with this extended summer thing we have going on here, um, I'll, I'll tell you what. You get up in some of these berry fields, that, and those blacktail are living up there on the edges of the timber and the berry fields. They're coming out into those berry fields at night. There's There's going to be bears up there still because— it's you know we haven't had those big rains. There's still probably going to be some berries around. Get up and and get on the top of some of these mountains. Just locally, head up towards Stephen Stevens Pass and jump on the Crest Trail and hunt the west side. Check in some of those basins. There's a ton of blacktail up there, and they just don't get a lot of pressure. Yeah, you're right. They don't get a lot of pressure. Period. Even even well, you know, it's maybe on some of the warehouser ground where they're giving out permits. Oh, they don't give them out. You got to buy the permits. But a lot of people hammer that ground. But you'd be surprised at some of the places these blacktails will hang out. Now we also got the waterfall opener today. Extremely difficult conditions, mm, but there's going to be birds around. Yep. There's going to be local birds. You got to hit the bayfront. It's a bayfront. And any deal, big dude. pieces of water, uh, your teal. Your local birds are going to be around. There could be some early widgeon and whatnot around. Might get lucky and even pop a snow goose up on the north end here. But your small spreads are what's going to work right now. And maybe move. You know, be ready to move. Uh, if the birds are, are landing over here and you're over there, then pack up and, and get on over there. We had Kevin John on last weekend from Holiday Sport. That's That guy's a master of, of killing birds up on the north end. He talked about packing, you know, six to eight decoys around and, and just constantly moving, you know, and have some binoculars too. Uh, you know, we talked about scouting last weekend, um, being able to – Maybe brings just some little compact binocs along and see where those birds are going, and you might get right in on them. So. Most of the guys, all those guys up in the north end are running like eight-power Vortex yeah. binoculars. Just a little set that you have, keep them in your truck. When you're driving around, you know, be be looking around in, in any water you have out there, uh, any of the ditches in Skagit Valley, any water. Those, those ducks are going to be, if they get pushed off the bay, they're going to be dropping in and looking for some fresh water. And like Kevin said, that small spread thing is is kind of cool. You know, you can shove six or eight decoys in your backpack, have everything you need, 
and be really mobile. Uh, they've got great decoy bags right now with their, their backpacks. You can throw they your are. lunch bag 100%. and everything in there, and yeah. off you go with your shotgun. And put a sling on your shotgun, throw it over your shoulder, too, and stomp out there and, and do the deal. Just decoy technology has just blown my mind. Oh, they're flock now. Oh, I mean, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you go over there like our Mardon deal, you know, and, and the pros mm-hmm. just like Levi, you know, Levi Rodello, right? And, Levi and, and Shelby and Nathan yeah. and those guys, they've got a raft of spinners. Yeah. Right? It sits on a raft. So when they're jerking on that spinner, there's these other decoys that are on that raft too. Those are on, it's now a jerk string spinner program. So it's, it's, so, it's so, putting the ripples out. But, the, you got the spinner duck going. That's And that's an interesting aspect to this opening day too, is Eastern Washington is going to offer some of the best hunting this opening day just because you got that yeah. water all around potholes and whatnot yeah. winchester waste way and and the, and the quincy seep lakes which is an area that we don't talk about very often at all is a really cool opportunity walk in there build a little rock blind try not to light it on fire with your joni hand warmer did you do that too when I you did, were a kid? yeah i did yeah we Obviously, both did we both burned down blinds <laughs> when we were kids yeah squirting fuel all over the place well, dark when, I, when I, the ducks aren't flying yeah. that lighter fluid's a gas my man. hands That's were fine. cold <laughs> come on you know i made a they told me to make a fire so. yeah, no kidding so i made a, i made <laughs> Fire, but those spinner, so. the spinner deeks, you don't want to just be cranking on them all the time. That's you know? true. Just, yeah, just crank on it to turn them. When they start coming in, back off. It's a and those things are a game changer. They are. When we're when we're up there in Ferndale, if we're not running a spinner, you're, you're just not getting the look from the ducks. You run that spinner, you get some motion in the in the spread, and those ducks commit and they're yeah. they're dive bombing in, and it's so much fun. And I, you know, hunting up there with Spencer and those guys, they're all like professional waterfowlers. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a, you know, I'm I'm just a guy who wants to jump in a blind. They're so and passionate shoot ducks. about it, though. It's just and they have all the stuff. They do. They, you know, the the jerk string thing. If you don't have a spinner, you better have a jerk string mm-hmm. if you're hunting mm-hmm. over water. And they yeah. make those killer. They're like on a. Uh, it's almost like tent pole material, mm-hmm. spreader, right? Like you a got, spreader you got rig. got four of them. <laughs> yeah. And you got an anchor, and then it's on a big bungee, so you can pull it to you and then let go, and they all go cruising across. Last, you could put six or eight on some of them, and yeah. they all they take off swimming like they're chasing after something. And yeah. They finally found an off season use for halibut gear. You can anchor your decoys with it, you know, the big three pound leads. Yeah, whatnot. Kevin talked about throwing a lead <laughs> out. And, <laughs> and then some of the new the new boutique ammunition companies, yeah. you know, we have Lee Joe's here on the, all the time yeah. from Boss. Uh, Migra's another one. Some of these little companies are cranking out some good stuff. The Bisma thing now is, is kind of the new crushing technology. Bisma's been around forever, but now a lot of guys are shooting that again because it's just so heavy. It's almost like lead. Uh, Kent's making it. They sell the heck out of the can up there and, and of course, it, down at uh, Sportco, le- too. So. It lets you pull a legacy shotgun out of the closet, too, because it's not as hard on your barrels as steel was. And well, kind of and we're shooting two and three-quarter inch loads yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And when was the last time? You know, I actually hit something once in a while, so, yeah. you know. For sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. Well, you missed any of the show, jump on MyNorthwest.com. Matt will have the podcast up on TheOutdoorLine.com or download that Apple podcast app. Give us a follow on social media, at Rob Ensley, at Joey Pyburn on Instagram, at The Outdoor Line on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. To all you guys, we're wishing you a very happy, healthy, and successful opening day of hunting season. And uh, Good luck, guys. Yeah, they're definitely. Go get them. It's, it's, it's going to be dry. Hydrate. Hydrate this hunting opener, <laughs> no question about it. So for, for Matt Nelson, for Joey Pyburn, for Rob Ensley, this is Tom Nelson. This has been the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app.